What if all you needed to get better in every way was available at the touch of a hand or the sound of a voice or even a vibration? Let's talk about how that happens, who can do it, and where to find them. I'm John Webster, and this is The Hesitant Healer. Greetings and welcome to The Hesitant Healer. I'm John Webster here with Lisa Kay. Say hello, Lisa. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And uh, we're here on a Tuesday in the middle of the scorching heat of Southern California. It is pretty darn warm. I got to say that. I'd like to say that it's uh, exclusive to us, but it's not. Old Al Roker told me this morning that the whole country is ablaze and we're all going to die. So well, apparently, we got that going for us. It's like in Greece, they're having a heat wave too. Like it's not just the United States. It's kind of Europe and everybody is is a little... Well, it's a good thing that global warming is a hoax, right? otherwise we'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, my my poor brother, the other brother, lives in Phoenix where they've had like 20 days of over 110 degree heat, some Mm-mm. crazy thing like that. So um, that does not sound fun. So uh, I reached into the Wayback Machine. I got friends on, uh, on uh, the uh, Instagram that I talked to and... Uh, one of our dear friends who was uh, with us here in the Redlands, California for a long time, and she was a bit of a yogi, and, and she was part of our inner circle. She uh, upped and moved a while ago, <laughs> so we only follow her on the Instagram. Um, she has always been pretty true to herself in, in movement and healing and trauma coaching and that kind of stuff. And uh, reached out to her and asked her if she wanted to come uh, talk to us a little bit about what she does, and she has gracefully said yes. So now I'm going to introduce you all to Erin Leon. Hi, Erin. Hi. So, so where good. are you coming to us from today? Today I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. So all the way across the country. Um, I'm just going to get into, tell us a little bit about how you got, well, what is it you do? Yeah, so I am a trauma-informed yoga teacher and health and life coach. Uh, I do some sound healing using a bunch of instruments, but most people kind of tend to think of the crystal bowls when they think of a sound bath. Um, But we can talk about more of that in a little bit. And I'm a dancer. I'm an artist. Uh, It depends on the day. I do a few different things. I love that. So how did you get here? What prompted you to get to where you got today? Yeah, it is a long and winding journey that I'll I'll keep to a shorter story. But we got time. Go okay. In a in a past life, in a previous life, um, several years ago, I was an audiologist. Um, so for those of you who don't know, which most people don't, uh, audiology is the study of sound. Um, so you might have maybe been to an audiologist to get your hearing tested. You know, you wear the little headphones of the kid, raise your hand when you hear the beep, that kind of thing. Um, so I went to school for that and worked in that whole realm for about six years doing research. And that's actually how I met John and Lisa here. I was out in California at the time. Um, and I was just extremely unhappy. I didn't want to sit at a desk. I didn't like the environment I was in. I just felt like I wasn't really doing enough to help people feel better about their lives. Um, And I, yeah. So in 2017, I quit my cozy 401k cushy (laughs) job. That was very, very, very brave. Yeah, it didn't feel brave. <laughs> a little brave, a little dumb, you know. Um, 
But yeah, in the summer of 2017, uh, I had intended to actually spend the entire summer traveling Southeast Asia alone. Uh, that was what really just called to me at the time. Um, and about three weeks maybe before I was supposed to leave, my mom got uh, diagnosed with breast cancer and she is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So um, I kind of put my trip on hold to go road trip to Baton Rouge from Southern California to be with her for surgery and spend some time with her. And anyway, uh, ended up traveling. And once I got back, I was a professor for a year in Southern California and just kind of doing like odd and end jobs. Um, I had got my yoga teacher certification in Redlands, California in 2016 and had been teaching since. Um, and then, man, this is a quite an interesting part of the story that mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, met a boy. I knew my boy, but, um, <laughs> my now ex-husband and I had been best friends for 12 years. Um, and at that point in 2017, 2018, we started dating and I moved a bunch of times for his career, uh, and landed in Birmingham and here we are. <laughs> um, but in terms of, yeah, how I got into what I do now, uh, it was a few things. Like I said, I did the yoga teacher training in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2018, I did a health and wellness coach certification through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. Um, I was living in Missouri at the time with my ex-husband, now ex-husband, and just kind of honestly didn't have a lot to do. We were living in a really small town and somebody had recommended like, Hey, have you heard of coaching? And I think you'd be really great at it. And I was like, I have not. Um, so I did the certification for that. And that's actually what the first time I found out about, uh, HSP or highly sensitive person, which we'll get into. I know. Um, and yeah, my path is kind of, gone a lot of ways from there. But um, in the past year, I've also done some courses around life coaching, because that's a little bit more of where I focus my work with my clients. Um, it is obviously still linked to health and wellness, because that is part of our life. But a uh, big part of health and wellness coaching is kind of diet focused and food heavy. And that's not really where my interest lies. Right. Um, and yeah, do you want me to keep going or do you all have questions? Uh, no, 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 no. keep going. What, what, well, what kind of person is going to find you? Why, why do I need a health coach at all? Why do I need a life coach at all? Yeah, the way I like to explain what I do. So, you know, uh, I'm a big proponent of going to therapy as well. I will always be pro mental health, pro therapy. Um, but the way I explain it to my clients is like therapy is a lot of looking backwards. Like let's unpack your childhood and your traumas right. and your you know, how did you get to think and be the way you are? Um, and there is a bit of that can that can come up in coaching, but really for coaching, we want to look forward. You have a, a goal. Um, most of my work right now is working with people in transitional periods, uh, especially highly sensitive people. And like, how can you stay balanced in those transitional periods? Um, I also do a lot of work with people with anxiety and pain. So we talk about resourcing for that. Um, but really the, the purpose of a coach is to have someone, one that you're accountable to, right? We're all like, unless you're just one of those people who 
wakes up one morning and says, I'm whatever, never going to eat gluten again. I know somebody who's like really hardcore. He's like, I just changed my whole diet. I've never touched cereal again. Like cereal was this thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's not me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, me me either. We'll never not eat cereal also. But, um, you know, we need accountability. And, And my job, my role as a coach is to also reflect back things to you that, Maybe you're, I hear in what you're saying. That's my job is to listen, honestly. It would, it would be fair to say that to come into this kind of line of work, you want to have a, a bit of some life experience as well, right? You're not just going to jump into this because you decide you want to be a life coach. You kind of have to have some background to be able to teach and coach through some of those transitional periods. So I'm going to guess you got some of that background to begin with. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and at this point I'm 36 as of Sunday. Um, nice. Happy well, birthday. Congratulations. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've done a really big career change where I, I gave up the, the, I'm putting in air quotes career that people should want, right. I had right. benefits and health insurance and 401k and a full-time job. And right. um, I, Left the American dream going right American there. dream, right? And and I'm not bashing it. I think it we obviously need people who do that <laughs> kind of all kinds of work still. Um, but yeah, I, I left behind this kind of career that uh was anticipated or I guess expected of me to want and like by by other people. And sure. um and you know, I've I've moved. Geez, I don't know. I've stopped counting. You've you've moved a lot. A lot, yes. Moving but, is a big. But you've always enjoyed that kind of thing. It seems to me, right? And you you've always you're one of the people that's always gone anywhere across the country to go to a music festival because there's good times there and you enjoy it, right? So you you didn't mind moving a bit to go look for what you wanted, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I didn't grow up that way at all. I was born and raised in Baton Rouge and stayed there till I was 25, 26. Oh, wow. Went to college there, yeah? College, yep. Um, uh, it was LSU, what, what? LSU, go Tigers. <laughs> um, just kidding. I don't care about sports. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say it, especially now being in Bama, you know, I have to pretend. Oh, yeah. You oh. got to roll tight or they're going to throw you out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, but yeah, so it's really only been the last 10 years that I've probably moved at this point 13 times, I think. Oh my goodness. And some of that has been cross country. Some of it has been, you know, smaller moves. Um, and of course now, uh, for the, just to give a little feedback, I guess, for those who don't know my story, I just got divorced like three weeks ago and this is the first time I'm really publicly talking about it. So it's very interesting to share this, but surprise, you know what? And congratulations for being so open. It's the very first couple times you have to say it speaking as a divorced person. It it feels a little weird. It feels really odd is what it feels like. I'm divorced <laughs> like not oh. <laughs> not contentious either right it was kind of an amicable party yeah, it was amicable and you know but the i feel i truly feel part of the reason it happened is that's another big life transition right and i feel like i was i'm meant to go through it to have a better understanding of what that feels like so i can help a different set of clients as well yeah uh-huh. more tools in the toolbox more tools in the toolbox wouldn't really like chase your life like that. <laughs> but, right. but, um, but yeah, I, I do have a lot of life experience and I think 
you know, there's some shame sometimes of like, oh, I'm 36 and I should have my like career life. I should have figured it out 12 years ago. Right. Um, but I kind of started over at 32 or whatever I was. Um, and I still feel like I'm figuring it out a lot of days. And I think part of that does come, come like you're saying, John, is you can't be a 20 year old life coach. You haven't lived a lot of life yet. Um, yeah, I've, exactly. said, I've said the same thing about AA and alcoholism. You get all these young kids in there. And I'm like, they ain't lost enough. There's no fucking way they're going to get sober because they don't know. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And I do think that's shifting. I mean, that could be a whole other podcast, but I do feel like the generation below me is way more aware and awake than I was at that age. And maybe they have lived more life, but yeah. but yeah, I I do have quite a lot of life experience at this point, I feel like. You might you might as well use it to make money off of it now. <laughs> oh, and, and to help others really and like, you know, especially when it ties to the the highly sensitive person aspect of like why is it so different for us? Let's let's talk about that. Who are the highly sensitive people? Yeah, so sounds like, an, sounds like an 80s song, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. So uh highly sensitive person or people or HSP is a term coined by Elaine Aaron in the 80s, I believe. So not that long ago. Um she's a oh, psychologist. God bless you for saying that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. Um, and you can find her, her website is HS person. So HS as in highly sensitive person.com. Um, but yeah, uh, an HSP is somebody just like the name sounds with high sensitivity. And there's kind of, I always explain to clients two branches of being an HSP one, uh, where you're really sensitive to like external stimuli. So light sounds, smells, physical touch, you know, all that kind of thing. And that's, again, it's not my area of expertise, but there's some questioning of, you know, this borderline between being HFP and being autistic or, or something like that. Or on um, the spectrum or Asperger's, Asperger's like. Is this a thing that's popped up more frequently over the last 10 or 20 years? Or is it a thing that's always been around and is more recognized now? Uh, I would say both. Honestly, I think, I think it is a relatively new thing, you know, that, that popped up, but, um, it used to be referred to, or I guess now is being referred to as high, oh gosh, I'm going to forget high or like sensitivity spectrum or something. Oh, okay. Um, and that's a newer sort of term. And there's, there's a lot of different, like I said, there's kind of a lot of these like things all floating in one bubble, right. Of, autism, ADD, ADHD, HSP. Um, and I'm forget there's another term I'm forgetting, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I always like to tell people, I think I go back and forth of like, is having a diagnosis of any of these terms, right? Is it necessary? Um, and there's two, two schools of thought of like, yes, when you have a, and you don't get diagnosed with HSP. It's just, it's a trait. You can take a test online at Elaine's website. Um, but you, you know, like, you know, right. you're high sensitivity usually. Um, but it, there is power in knowing that like, oh, there is this thing. There's this trait, at least, if not a diagnosis of something else that helps me better understand why I'm the way I am, why, and we'll get into more details, but why I need more processing time, why I need 
more quiet downtime, alone time, time in a dark room. I was joking the other day with my friend. She came up to me. She's like, I didn't know you were, uh, we're new friends. She's like, I didn't know you were an HSP coach. Like I'm an HSP. She's like, do you ever just sit in a dark room alone? And I was like, oh, all the time, like almost every day. Cause it's, it's so necessary for me to reset my physical system, my nervous system, my emotional body. So uh, you you identify as an HSB person? Of course, yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, and that that's how you got here. And this sounds a lot like um, what they did originally with dyslexic people, with kids, yeah? And they probably fall into that spectrum-ish? No. Maybe, yeah, that's more like learning. You're a little off. I'm off? You're thinking more of... Um, uh, like when I was in college back back in the day, you know, when we took dinosaurs to college, um, we talked about uh, Asperger's and the inability, and, and, and one of the big marks was, can you look somebody in the eye when you're talking to them, and uh, do you nod, or any, those are the kind of things that we looked for. We looked for uh, kids who... Um, uh, hand stemming and those kind of things. Um, those were the the markers that we looked for. We didn't look basically for like the functional people. The people who are out there and have a job, um, but after they do the job, they've got to go home and sit in a, in a quiet place because it overwhelmed them. You know, we didn't talk about that. We just talked about the definite, oh my gosh, that kid's a little off or that's a little different. Or um, So it, it has evolved, thankfully, because I think um, there are a lot of people who can say that, like, um, uh, you go to a party and uh, I had, uh, speaking of exes, you know, if, if we went to a party, my ex-husband was um, energized by that. That was totally his, his groove. He came home and he was all happy and excited. Now, if I'm at the same party and I get home, I'm exhausted. It was absolutely too much for me. Uh, it, it's the it's the music and the the people and the having to put on a smile and the, that to me was exhausting. So um, so, I, so I, we're talking a little bit about the absorption of energy here, right? How the body processes energetic spaces and the type of energy that's coming out. Mm -hmm. So I would also imagine that being with positive people is is enlightening and being with negative people is completely draining and you need to take a nap when you're done. Yeah. yeah so, you know, I, I had started to say there's two branches of being an HSP in, in my understanding in my work. So the first is external stimuli, light, sound, smells, um, all those types of things. And the second branch is people, HSPs who are really sensitive to their own emotions and the emotions of others. So you can have both, you know, you can have both, you can have one, you can have some combination of the two. Um, and if you look on Elaine's website, I think she's got some information about uh, you can be an HSP and be an empath, if that's something y'all talked about on this podcast, oh, yeah. but you're, you're not an empath just because you're an HSP. Uh, so meaning, yes, I, I might be more, sensitive to my own emotions and I may pick up other people's energies. Uh, me personally, I would probably consider myself an empath mm -hmm. anyway, but that doesn't just cause I'm an HSP doesn't mean I'm also so tied to other people's energy just cause I have high sensitivity. Right. Can you change it? Being an empath or being highly sensitive? Well, well I know the empath, the HSP. 
Can you regulate it or change it? What do you do? I would say you can regulate it. Yes. So it's really interesting thinking about, you know, 2018 was what, five years ago? Wow. Um, no, it wasn't. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I know. We lost a few years. It's like we, we lost, lost two years. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, we did. <laughs> but a part of my, and, I, and I'm curious in, in asking this and kind of teaching people this as well, but yeah, part of my work as I've healed my own trauma and my nervous system, the things that used to bother me as what I would have defined as me being an HSP, they're still there sometimes, of course, but not to the degree. And, and like you said, John, when you go to be around people who are positive and loving and kind, that is a very different energy exchange than being with a group of people who is complaining and negative and whatever. And, and it's not so much, you know, I think when I first learned about the trait, I was like, oh, it's just like this blanket. Everybody has the same reaction or I'll have the same reaction to everybody and everything. And it's not, it's, you know, and it's so interesting because just this past week, I did a lot of socialization for me for mm-hmm. since COVID. I mean, I'm very extroverted. Um, most HSPs are introverted. So that's a whole nother layer of interest. Right of being an extroverted HSP because I do like being social and I do require that. Uh-huh. And I think for a long time, I refused to admit that I had any like introversion to me at all. You right. know, so I would go, 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 go. And then wonder why I'd be in pain and anxious and pissed off and feel, I mean, I was sick. I was sick because I didn't take time to turn inward to sit in a dark room to tell me some more about that. How can that action of being an HSP and absorption of energies cause you to physically be ill? How is that even possible? (laughs) Man. Oh, because there's a lot of people out there who don't know. And, and if you can help equate this, because a lot of people don't realize that being in a negative environment Working for the county, let's say, <laughs> or or higher edu- or higher education, yeah, can can being in those environments with that type of personality can it affect you physically and make you ill? Absolutely, a thousand percent. So, so tell me more about that, or at least some of the physicalities that you felt in yourself and how you fix those. Yes. I mean, uh, John and Lisa know part of my work with John has been, you know, massage and energy healing. And um, I have had chronic pain since 2009, which is crazy. Um, And, you know, if we had done this interview five years ago, I would say it's still there every day. And my my pain was never debilitating because I wouldn't allow it to be right because right. I was in academia and I had a, a doctor and I had I was really good at masking you know we we briefly talked about autism and mm-hmm. um I think the that's a whole other conversation but yeah the research right. is on on boys ADHD and autism research is on boys and exactly. girls are raised to hold it together and be very different um in terms of masking and putting on a happy face and people right. pleasing all that but um yeah, you know, for me, I think I just keep thinking back to, God, I guess that's seven, six, seven years ago now, mm-hmm. 2017, I was still at my corporate job sitting in a, you know, a fluorescent lit desk and um, sitting, staring at a computer all day and wasn't outside, wasn't, I was active, but not like I am intentionally now outside. 
You certainly weren't dancing every day, were you? I certainly wasn't dancing every day. Yeah. So yeah, no, that, that kind of came way through, through my yoga. Honestly, my yoga practice is what a few things helped me first get back into my body. Cause again, I've had, I had had chronic pain for part of that. Part of that was physical too. If I remember right, you have a little bit of a spinal curvature. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, um, yes. Yeah. It is. There is some physical component to it. I would say most of my pain and I would argue to say most, mm, maybe that's too bold of a statement, but a lot of people who experience undiagnosable chronic widespread pain, I would be willing to bet it's emotional. Uh-huh. Agree. Agreed. Absolutely. And you know, part of, when I did my yoga teacher training, that was the first time I sat down, honestly. Uh, prior to that, I was working a full-time job. I was running an artist guild and I was like doing a third little job that I can't remember, but I was go, go, go nonstop. I was social. I was dating. I was, you know, I was extroverted and I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I loved it, you know, and I, and I'm not saying I was like beating myself into the ground, but a little bit, you know? So in my teacher training, I remember every time we would sit to either do breath work or meditation, I would ball. I would just cry and cry and cry because that was the first time I realized how much physical pain existed in my body. Like you'd been, you'd been running up, you'd been running from it for years. Right. Dude. So many memories came up of like, and, and, you know, uh, there's a whole conversation around trauma. I think a lot of times people hear trauma and this is changing, but people hear trauma and they you know, there's capital T or big T trauma and little T trauma. Big T trauma is war, uh, witnessing a car crash or a murder, being in a car crash or um, sexual abuse. You know, the big, the things we think of, uh, oppression, racism, all of those are big T traumas. And I was like, well, I've never experienced any of those things. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> I my parents, you know, middle class, had a great upbringing. My parents are still married, loving, blah, blah, blah. That's not me. I've never had trauma. And then there's little T trauma. And I think what really has kind of melded my worlds together is when you're a sensitive person, you pick up on all of those little T traumas every day. I wanted to curse. That's really well put. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And it's accumulative. I have, I have found in body working that, that when you deal with multiple traumas, whether they're big T's or little T's, you have to work on those one at a time. Because they just stack and stack and stack, and you have to clear them out one piece at a time, and you can find them in the body one piece at a time. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, you think about, I really didn't start understanding this mind body connection or the way that the body holds on to these emotional little T traumas until I was 30. So I had three decades worth of unpacking and, and unloading and, and again, to come from a place where I pre, you know, I don't know, three years prior to that was so terrified to even sit with myself right? <laughs> where I would just cry and cry and cry and be like, I can't do this. And, um, and it wasn't, and I'm always, I'm always hesitant to, to talk about healing in a way that scares people because it's not, it, it's hard, of course, it but is. But it, and it is, it's a, it's a lifelong commitment. I truly believe that. It's scary. What kind of stuff are you talking about? Me personally? Well, you said you're, you're hesitant to talk to people who get, who 
where it's scary. You know, I mean, I'm t- I'm like, hey, I cried every weekend for eight oh, weeks. Oh, oh right. Yeah, like people, emotionless people who don't want to hear. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. right, right, right. And even now, I just last night, I was like, you know, I had this really beautiful, long social week of birthday celebrations. And I could tell, I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm scared to just sit in the dark and, and see what comes up still. And it's right. fun because... You know, yes, there are, of course, still times where I I give myself whatever that practice looks like, journaling, meditation, literally just laying on the floor in the dark, um, any kind of like body work. When I give myself the time to do that, yes, there are still some times where something really emotional comes up, but more often than not now, uh, and again, I've I've been working on how to resource and, and educate myself around this for years, but more than not, it's like, oh... I just needed a little breather. I needed to take some breaths. And it's not this big, like, oh God, I'm going to uncover this horrible memory. Um, And I will say too, and and does that happen? Of course it can. Um, But I always like to tell clients and people I work with, like your body is so fucking smart. Your body knows and only gives you that when you're ready to handle it. Oh, that is That's so true. Super important. Super you know, important. And, and I think I had a friend recently in the past six months or so, she kind of started, you know, doing dry needling and massage and seeing seeing somebody for that. And she was like, Erin, I'm so scared that like so much is gonna come up. And I'm like, it might, yes. And it's not going to come up all on day one. Like it's, that's just not how we're. The, the, fear, the fear is always greater than the actual action for sure. I think we picture it like a volcano, like it's all going to come out at once. And it's really more like a stream. It's really a gentle little stream and it's only going to come. I don't know when, about gentle. Well, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It depends, but it's not all going to come bursting out at once, you know, with, uh, you know, big fiery rocks or and big, all that kind of stuff. Big giant vomit of emotion. Exactly. Um, I love that analogy though. Yeah. It's not this big burst of volcano. It's a, some of us have a very slow trickling stream. Some of sure. us are in a little bit more white rapid situation. Right. Sure. But it, and, and, you know, I think too, the biggest lesson for me is like, I get to, to choose if I get in that white water rapid situation and I'm like, ah, this is too much for me right now. I get right. to choose. I'm going to step out. Right. Like, I think we get, and I'm guilty of this, right. Where I get wrapped up in this, like, oh, I have to be healing every second of every day. And I have to be like, thinking about this and look, no, like the whole point of healing. And this is what my work is really transitioning to right now is like the whole point of healing is so that you live again. Nice. Oh, I love that. Right. Like that's the whole point. We want to get back to this. Like, at least I do. I want to get back to this like childhood sense of wonder and joy and play. Creativity. Creativity and dance and laughter. And yes, there's still going to be days of heartache and grief and sadness that you have to have both, but you don't have to live in that. Let me ask you this. If you're having a shitty day and, and you just start dancing just because you're having a shitty day, does it help? Every time. Every freaking time, people. Every time. Yeah. And, it's, and you know, and this again, this doesn't mean like, oh, I dance for three minutes and all my problems are solved forever. No, but when I get in my body, that's the biggest thing, right? Because when we're in those, at least for me, I have anxiety. When I get in these like anxious loops, I'm so in my head and I, and I catch mm-hmm. myself sooner and sooner. Now that's part of healing too, right? It's like, 
oh, I'm doing that silly thing or like I'm telling myself mm-hmm. I suck and I'm, I'm an imposter and I can't do this and I can't. And I used to live in that for weeks on end, days on end, I don't know, weeks probably mm-hmm. until something clicked me out of it. And now it's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is not me. That is not my highest self, capital S self. Right. Making wise decisions for me. That is another scared little girl or a protector in me who is trying to, to like hyper vigilantly scan for the things. Right. And that's right. a trauma response. That's a trauma response. Exactly. And the more we can get out of our, our brains and out of our heads and into our bodies, that's when for me, I realized, okay, okay, I am here. I'm grounded. I am safe. I am safe in this body. And to say so that you can, you can act your way into right thinking. And a, a lot of times those actions can produce uh, chemical reactions, which change the chemical reactions that are going on when you're stagnant. That's where movement and creativity and flow and breath work and all the things we learned in yoga teacher training of being still, but after the action, all of those things can counterbalance the negative responses that a lot of us were trained uh, behaviorally or sociologically or family-wise with the environmental imprint of you're not good enough or you can't be who you're supposed to be or that's not how little girls are supposed to act, which I got told a lot. <laughs> um, and and the, the movement changes the behavior, mm-hmm. yeah? If I get up and force myself to walk, there's a story about... Um, uh, Bill Wilson in AA where he was severely depressed towards the end of his life, like couldn't get out of bed. And he forced himself to get up and walk one lap around the track every day just to kind of keep him at bay, right? It didn't really make him 100% better, but it didn't tank him any worse. And there's something about movement. There's something about dance. There's something about the addition of music to the space that you're you're i mean you, as an audiologist you know when that sound enters into your brain space and moves those vibratory canals and changes the circuitry in the nervous system and now you add some movement to that and that causes you to breathe better and pretty soon your eyes are open and you have firing mechanisms that are working you can't help but you're not gonna cry your way through it i mean you might at the start but ultimately it's going to make you better it's you're going to feel a little bit better and this is healing this is this is a better part of of brain power and how we can make ourselves better exactly and you know and i also like to tell people like dance is the thing for me right like i have a history in dance um i love encouraging other people to dance too but it's not going to be for everybody and like I have a friend, she needs more intensity. She needs Ashtanga yoga. She needs like cycle yeah, yeah, yeah. 90 miles on a weekend or whatever. And I'm like, no, that's not for me anymore. I don't want to do that. Um, so I really want for people listening, whether you're sensitive or not, to find your thing. Cause even, you know, and if you like you said, if you're depressed or even on days where I'm really anxious, I still go walk my dogs for one lap around the block. It's not far. I don't even get sweaty. It doesn't do anything like cardio. It's not about that. It's can I physically leave the house and remind myself that I can do it. Right. And, and I never feel worse after. Right. Here's, here's, uh, 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 you know, I love you and I want you to take this the right way, but, but having watched you through Instagram for years now, 
There are days where you post dance videos where I'm watching Elaine on Seinfeld, right? And, and, but no, 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 no. But listen, the joy that you get transfers enough for me to go, holy crap, she looks like she's having a good time, right? And when you post about how you're not feeling good and this makes you feel better, that's a powerful statement that transfers through. And, and, even though my sarcastic ass initially starts with, holy crap, look what she's doing and what is she wearing, eventually transfers to, god damn, that was powerful. Good for her. Right. Which is why you're here. I, it really makes a difference in, in the media that you're portraying because you're putting it out there. And, the, and that is a draw to, to make me want to know more about why that worked. Because I I'm, I'm, I may not do that. And now I'm going to go try it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, I'm a trained dancer and, and some, and I catch myself, especially when I'm recording versus ha- just having my own practice. Mm-hmm. I catch myself dancing in a way that I'm like, Ooh, does this look pretty? Right. right? And right. that never, never once feels good in my body. Yeah. Never once have I done made a video and I'm like, oh, that's beautiful because it's my ballet background or it's whatever. Right. And did it leave me feeling good in my body? Right, right, right. And I think that's so. I I love the Elaine analogy, but I think that's part of why I posted too. Because yeah, I'll go back sometimes and be like, oh, that is cringe. <laughs> <laughs> but the the pretty girl, the pretty girl yoga, which I call it, you know, I mean, and and I have a, a lot of those on my Instagram because they do some amazing things. But I'm never going to be that person, and I can appreciate the physicality of it. But there's a big difference between people who are truly living the principles of yoga and doing that, and the ones who are doing it because they think Barbie's cool, you know, right. and because they want likes. And it it that also transfers. And I'd much rather watch somebody like you than somebody who can do really great looking handstands in a bikini on the beach because I'm not getting anything out of that. It's hollow calories for me. And and I'd much rather get a, a life lesson of watching somebody who's dancing because she's getting out of a funk or because she just fucking thinks it's a great day than somebody who's doing it because she just wants to be liked. Right? And you are not that. Which is what I was trying to say. <laughs> no, yeah, I am. Believe me, I am not hurt. And I think part of why I showcase that too is the minute I hold a dance event or even suggest like, oh, come dance. People are like, oh, I don't dance. Right? I don't right. dance. Because right. we have been so conditioned. What, who, it doesn't matter who or where. We all have a story where someone said or looked at us in a way that said, you can't dance. Right. Because it's not beautiful, because it's not skillful, because it's not sexy. And I think that is so harmful because it keeps people from being in their bodies in a way that's just fun and silly and and angry, right? Like I recently, oh, maybe I haven't actually shared the video. I shared a video of me speaking, but not the dance aspect yet. I'll, I'll put it up soon, but I... It's an ugly dance. I am crying. It's it's there's a lot of emotion in it and I don't usually showcase that cuz it's not cool to watch. It's not sexy, right. it's not even funny. It's really uncomfortable to watch. Right. But it is so helpful to have that portal and that practice to give myself time and space to okay, what is this that I'm feeling and how do I actually move through it? Literally physically, literally move through it. Right. Yeah. 
And if you can do it, and I'm feeling that way, it gives me hope that I can find my medium that will make me feel better. Right. And yeah, and whether that's dance or not, but I think uh, <laughs> part of, I was at ecstatic dance. I, I don't know if y'all have that there, but ecstatic dance is even wilder than what I post. Right. You know? And that is about full embodiment of sensation and in music. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. You make, you're making noises. It's wild. And it's, I think there's something really healing about that too. Like I've been doing ecstatic dance here in Birmingham for about a year. And there is something about being in a group, you know, you're not watching one another. You're supposed to be in your own bubble, but no, no there's, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, energy. Uh, no, I was going to say cringeworthy. I mean, there's people mm. who see that only as a sexual event, and it, that's not what it's about. It, it's about, like you said, total embodiment. And sometimes that comes out as what may look like or be observed as a, a sexual type of energy. But a lot of people have never gotten to the point where they feel that stuff at all, right? And it's not about sex as a lot of people see it. It's about energy and full body feeling as a feeling and so um it's called that but that's not necessarily the case but when you see videos of it it certainly likes it looks like everybody's sitting in the room having an orgasm because they have they have uh uh there's also groups that do that like floor and they're not even touching they're just using energy for full body energy kind of stuff um but i i totally get what you're saying but it's about it's not about dancing it's about embodying the music embodying the environment feeling perhaps for the first time breathing perhaps for the first time and being present enough to engage in all of that just to know what it's like mm -hmm. it's not about you being next to me or him being next to me or her being next to me it's about my experience in the space right now in this time frame mm -hmm. yeah yeah. And there's real mat, you know, and these are sober events too. So like, yeah, I, I've spent plenty of time dancing in the club in my twenties. That's different. And, and I all, all the Molly, Aaron, all <laughs> the Molly. Um, you know, but there's something about, it just, it, it's magic to be like, it's such a, a mind fuck to catch yourself being like, Oh, I really care about what I look like in this moment, like I'm in a dark room and no one is even looking at me and I'm still right. playing this story that someone's watching me and it has to look pretty. Who, right. who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And some of my most like big emotional releases have been after dance, sober dance, just dance for an hour and a half, you know, like mm -hmm. not therapy, not any of this like hardcore trauma work, just literally dancing and being in my body for an hour and a half and something gets dislodged. And that, is an incredible tool and like you can do that anywhere and everywhere right well, let, 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 let me go a little bit deeper with that I, I, because if you talk about somebody who has trauma big t or little t a great deal of how our response mechanisms to that interact is that we leave our body or that we shut our nervous system down so that we cannot feel or so that we cannot see, taste, touch, or hear. And that becomes a very real thing. In severe, severe trauma, especially childhood trauma, people can leave their bodies and have a, 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 a psychic split where they're up on the roof, and this was my case, where you're looking down on the trauma itself, right? So to be 
years later in an environment where you can do all the things we just talked about and be present in that, there's a spiritual aspect as well that mm-hmm. that reconnects and rebinds every cell in your body so that it responds the way that it was meant to respond. And there should be an emotional release from that because you've probably never done it before at that level or you're reconnecting after something that may have happened years and years ago. And and a, a, a lot of my work, we just had one last night who came in. Um, in traumatic events, especially let's say the car accident, you have conscious processing the accident happens then conscious processing all the damage happened in the middle where there was no conscious processing so a lot of time your body is held on to trauma that your brain didn't know happened because it was working on other things when it happened Mm -hmm. so when you can combine feeling with thought processing and get your nerves involved as well and be present in the moment Like you just said, it becomes magical because all the things connect. I talked last week. Was it last week we talked about spaghetti sauce? Two weeks ago we talked about spaghetti sauce? A couple weeks ago we talked about that, yeah. When all the mechanisms in the brain fire at once, when the body is feeling the gut and the legs and the knees and the shoulders and the arms and you're auditorily processing and you're screaming, when all of that stuff happens, you can become whole again. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff you're talking about. That's it is. It's magical. It's magic. Yeah. You know, and I like I said, I'm very pro therapy, but and I think this is switching, right? Where therapists are now learning that you need to be doing like EMDR or some some other physical tapping, whether it's right. moving through a trauma informed yoga series or whatever. Right. But you you can sit and there's absolutely a time and a place where your healing will be sitting on a couch and talking sure. to a professional. And I am never going to tell no, you know, I'm not going to ever tell anyone don't do that. Right. But there is a time and a place, especially when you've got chronic pain or any sort of like disconnect from your body, you have to get in your body, whether you're talking right. at the same time or not, or they're going, you know, right. it's a, a cohesive sort of, uh, healing that's happening with two different facilitators, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I agree. It's, it's putting something online for the first time in 10 years, 45 years, however long. And you're like, Oh shit. And when you start doing that, especially when you're sensitive, that's scary or maybe, yeah, it's scary. It's scary. Oh God. I'm, you know, it's funny because I think to part of my story is like, we think of high, when you think of somebody who's sensitive, especially a kid, you think of a kid who has these like emotional outbursts. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I had a little of that, but it got shut down and shut out of me so quickly. And, and we're, again, we're so smart. We're so smart as kids. We learn that's not safe. It's not safe for me to be angry. It's not safe right. for me to be sad. It's not safe for me to be anything other than happy or quiet. Right. You learn that. And then you, where does that go? Where does that go? It goes inward, right? Exactly. It goes inward into your physical body. It turns into shame and guilt of like, why can't I just be like everyone else in my family and be quiet and chill right. and happy? And I'm having these like air quote, emotion, emotional outbursts. Right. Um, so a lot of my work of coming back online in my body was like, oh my God, I am emotional. Like I forgot that part of me for so long. Cause it wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And to, to be, <laughs> 
<sighs> to be in a at a concert crying just because you're overcome by beauty like whole, the first time that happened i was like the fuck am i <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. what is that what is that and and the more that you allow that to happen on both edges of the spectrum right happiness joy immense gratitude and grief and heartache and sadness and loneliness the more you can help or, or let those things exist in your body. Oh my God. It's wild. It's wild. It's magic. Hmm. Agreed. All right. We got a few minutes left. Thoughts. What do you want to leave everybody with? <laughs> uh, um, find your thing. Find your find thing. Find your thing. I love find that. Your thing. More dance. You know, and it's fun. I grew up dancing, but I, I left dance behind for a long time. Cause that's a whole nother conversation right of the trauma that can be put on a dancer especially a young girl's definitely you're too fat you're not enough you're not talented enough i told myself that for a long time sure yeah as as an artist i I think i mentioned this before my first show my mother brought my grandmother and uh i had drawn two nudes and my mother was so embarrassed and not embarrassed for me. She was embarrassed for grandma. Grandma had to see the naked women. I'm like, I'm pretty sure grandma didn't give a shit. It was you. But I've seen naked women before, right? Yeah, I'm pretty I'm, sure. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry you grew up a nun. But find your thing and like play with things too, right? Like try slacklining, try cycling, try run. Like I hate running. I know that about myself. I'm never going to be a runner. But for some people, that might be their thing that they get in their body. There's a whole again another topic of like being so connected to running and the like runner's high that then you're actually disassociating but right. uh, exactly but finding the thing and again it's a practice right there are days where i'm like Ugh, i don't want to dance and i don't want to be in my body i want to be in my head and i like the anxious thought loops because that's comfortable and i know i know that right um but try things out and if you don't like running try something out if you are scared to dance, dance alone in your room. Like nobody has to see, but I will say there is incredible power in finding community of spaces, whatever your thing is and letting people witness you. Find find your tribe. Yeah. You can dance if you want to, and you can leave your friends behind. (laughs) If you don't dance. If, if, well, my friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, they're not—they're no friends of mine. Yeah, I mean that's true. That's funny. All right, this has been so, a hoot. What? So, Aaron, if someone get, wanted to get a hold of you, what would be the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at E Mind Move. That's E as an Aaron Mind M I N D Move M O V E, uh, or emindmove.com. And yeah, I've got a little newsletter. I've got nice. Can you do coaching online? Absolutely. That's most of what my coaching is, is online. Um, I've moved a little away from doing like workshops and classes online, but that is always up for for changing. So yeah, just follow along. Um, if you have questions about being an HSP or about coaching or dance or movement, um, please reach out. I love to nerd out about all the things. Awesome. Well, it was awesome, awesome, awesome seeing you again. Miss you terribly. So lovely to see you. And uh, and you just look so peaceful. So. You do. You look good. I got to say. Not Elaine-like at all. You look, <laughs> you look happy and light, actually. That's nice to see. Yes. So thank you again, Erin. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again. That would be fun. 
Yes, I would love that. It was really great to, to chat with y'all. Thank you. All right. Thank you, my dear. Thank you.